Hey everybody, this is Linda Misigatis, and you're listening to An Unconventional Guide to Success, the show that talks about real life with real people for those of you who are interested in learning from others the steps they took on their journey towards success as defined by them. Good morning and welcome to the studio, Scott. It's so good to see you. Linda, pleasure's always mine. Good to see you too. Lady in red today, I see. Lady in red today. Yes, 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 exactly. So glowing. um, Fire. Well, and I, I... Took a shower as well, oh, oh, oh. so I have clean hair today too. So you know, just just for you, Teresa should be really happy with this. <laughs> Absolutely, morning too. Uh, <laughs> good, good. Goals in life, I tell you, yes, it's those little things yeah. that matter most. So, well, I'm so excited to have Therese Zerker in the studio with us today. Um, I'll give you a little background. Um, Therese actually has her BS in international business and an okay. MS in organizational development from the University of Colorado, uh, Go Colorado. Um, she spent her first 25 years of her career in human resources, starting as an HR assistant at a Fortune 50 company and ending her HR career as a regional HR manager for the largest integrated cash distribution network in the U.S. In 1991, her husband Brad and her started a company called Rocky Mountain Hydrostatics that provided parts and repair services for hydraulic pumps and motors. They actually grew that business from 30K in the first year to 14 million in 2020 when they sold 70% to a publicly traded company. Teresa's goal was to retire after a one year transition to their new management team. So, welcome to the studio, Therese. Thank you. Good to see you here. I'm really excited to hear about what your business was about and how you got that transitioned out. I think there's some parallels here in what we're doing at WorldGate too. So it'll be fun to hear how it's going. I totally agree. I think this is going to be a fun one because you both are entrepreneurs um, and really grew your have grown your businesses um, quite significantly. And so it's really, um, this should be a fun one for us to talk about. But before we get into that, uh-huh. Therese, we always like to start out uh, with an icebreaker. And so <laughs> my question is, if you could hang out with any cartoon character, who would you choose and why? You know, that was, I I got the question yesterday and that was a really hard one for me because I'm kind of old and I haven't been around cartoons for a really long time. You know, Joel's my youngest at 28. Um, so I haven't even watched cartoons for a long time, but I thought about it. And, and so my answer is uh, Winnie the Pooh. Ooh, and, that was Caitlin's. That was my yeah, wife. It was Caitlin's. Yeah. Yeah. Really? yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I, I, I think I like Winnie the Pooh because he's always really positive and he always brings his friends up, you know, even when they're, when they're feeling down, he has a, a great outlook on life, even if something is bad that it can always get better. And, um, that's kind of like how, how I want to be, I want to help people out and I want to bring them up and I want to be seen as, as happy all the time. So wow. I'm referred to at work, even though. Most of our new employees, our our VP and some of our managers are in their mid fifties. Um, they refer to me as mom, so oh. that's kind of the role <laughs> I take as mom for yeah. everybody. So, oh great! I like that. That's a good one. Yeah. That is a good one. She's so nice. What Linda. about I mean, you? Ours aren't always I know. As nice. I know. Yeah. <laughs> what are we going to do with this? How are we going to manage this, Linda? I know. How are we yeah. going to manage this? That's right. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, Scott, who are you going with? Well, today? you know where I'm at. I'm the Incredible yeah. Hulk. Arr. Yes. Yes. All's good and trying to make things better until my flip, I switch and then I'm a powerhouse trying to fix things and, and like you, Teresa, trying to move the ball forward for the next generation. No, yeah. I like that. I think that's good. I'm going to go with uh, Lucy today in the spirit of going into the holiday season and thinking about, you know, the uh, usually I like my good friends over in um, Marvel or in um, or with the Looney Tunes. But today I thought, you know what, the peanuts. And the reason why I chose Lucy is aside from the fact that she's a bit of a know-it-all, which I'm going to admit I have been been called that myself at times. Um, I do think that Lucy has a good heart, and I think that she really does try to to help in her own way. So I'm going to go with Lucy. I think she'd be an interesting person to understand, like what motivates her to pull that football away from Charlie Brown. So. Okay, there you go. All right, little antagonist yeah. there too. I see. Yeah, a little antagonist. Yeah, I'd like to understand that a little bit. So I would yeah. say you're not a know-it-all too. Don't self-deprecate. You what you know, oh, you know well. Thanks. Say it that way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fair enough. <laughs> I'll take it. In the spirit of niceness, I'll take that That's one. That's <laughs> right. That's right. We're going to put on a show no. for Teresa today. We're going to be kind. That's what we're going to be kind today. Yes. <laughs> I like that. Well, it, Teresa, we'll jump right in. You do a lot of work helping at-risk youth. Um, what's the motivation for that? Like, What draws you to, um, to that particular um, interest? Huh, very interesting. Uh, so I started it about uh, six, seven years ago. So my oldest son, Joshua, I don't know if you know this, Linda, um, was sexually molested as a young boy. <clears throat> and it caused a lot of issues for him. He, um, We took him to a therapist. Well, we went to the police. It turned, it was, it happened to be a boy who lived across the street from us, who was a uh, friend. Um, um, you know, we always warn people about, you know, strangers in the bathroom at a bus station yeah. or something, but really generally somebody that's close by. Um, he acted out a lot. We had a lot of issues with him. Went to college, ended up being an alcoholic, drinking a lot to, to control all of that. He went to uh, rehab. He was gone for a couple of years. Um, doing well now, but will always be something that he fights. Yeah. Um, but what we found was that there weren't a lot of resources for uh, teenagers or youth with mental health issues. Um, yeah. We were lucky. At that time, it was before Obamacare, so uh, insurance companies didn't have to cover or didn't mm. cover rehab. They didn't cover a lot right. of therapy. And um, we were lucky because we had the means to take care of it, even though it was tough. I mean, there were a lot of things we had to do in order to, to get that money to be able to do that. And so um, living in Brighton, I would get these these uh, uh, notices or, or, or uh, newspapers talking about CASA, which is the court-appointed special advocate program, um, most county, a lot of counties in the in the U.S. have them. Adams County happens to have one, and they kept looking for mentors for kids with who are in the system and have issues. So finally, after about the third one, I said, "Ah, this is talking to me. I think this is something that I need to do." So mm -hmm. I went and got trained as a CASA, and I became a CASA for a young oh. boy who, at the time, was ten years old. Oh. 
Um, wow. I'm still with him today at 16. Um, in between times, he was living with his mom. He lived in a in a shelter. Um, then his mom lost custody of him. Then she lost complete not just custody, but they took his, her parental rights away. He ended up in the foster system. His mother mm-hmm. passed away a um, couple years after that happened. And um, he's moved to a couple different foster homes, but I'm still with him. So I'm the only one that has been with him um, this whole time. So I just stay engaged with mm-hmm. him. He, you know, it's tough. It's, it's, I, it's, not, it's not an easy thing to do, especially for someone like me. No, you know, I'm on a. T- I want to take in all the dogs. I want to take in all the kids. I want to, yeah. you know, it was always great having my sons. You know, I have three sons, Scott, um, 28, 30, okay. and 32, and we always had a lot of kids. My kids tend to uh, migrate towards those kids who need help, and they always ended up in my house. And um, I think it's just, just what 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 I like to do. I like to be the mom, I guess. So. And I have to say, so I'm the same way at work, you know, I'm in a male dominated industry. Everybody that worked, mm-hmm. I'm the only female that worked for the company up until, you know, we sold the business. And, and then the person who replaced me happens also to be a female. Um, so I've acted as the mom to all the, all the guys at work as well. All those young single guys that worked for us for all those years. So wonderful. It's it's been been a rewarding thing. I'm not sure that I would yeah. do it again. Thank that you I would, for sharing that. that I would what, take what on been another kid. Hard, I think, but it sounds like yeah, you're you're definitely. really turning lemonade out of, out of the lemons. Yes. Yep. Yep. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that does. That's that's wonderful that that you've done that. I'm curious then, you know, because of um, that, but also just with what you've done to grow the business um, and uh, relationships are clearly something that are important in your success. I'm just kind of curious what your thought is um, around relationships versus partnerships and kind of how that's played a role in in your success, um, both, um, you know, it, when you were in HR, but also um, as an entrepreneur with the company. Mm. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I, I had never intended on being an HR person. Um, I kind of fell into it when I was, um, I was a temp working for a temp agency back in the days when there was actually temp agencies, okay. you know, I did a lot yeah. of clerical work, a lot of different companies. And, um, I was at CU and I always came home at the summertime and I worked for this temp agency that set me out on a long-term assignment the summer before my senior year of school. It was a company uh, called Digital Equipment Corporation, DEC for short. They also were called Baby Blue. So they were just under IBM. So basically it was IBM and digital. That was it. That's all it was. We had a digital had a hundred thousand employees. Wow. Amazing, amazing company. It was an amazing company for me to, um, learn from. Mm. Um, anyway, so I worked in their HR department, just doing administrative stuff. And when the summer was over, um, the HR manager said, Hey, you know, when you graduate, hope, you know, contact us and, you know, maybe there'll be something here for you. So I graduated and really wasn't sure what I wanted to do, why I picked international business, loved to travel, spoke foreign languages. I um, had started my 
college career um, majoring in German. Why, I don't know. I mean, I lived in Colorado. Where the hell am I going to use German? German, right? Uh, Zerker is sort of an indication. (laughs) No, no, I wasn't a Zerker there, and I was a Ferris. Okay. Zerker's my husband's name, so I can't really tell you. I I took it because my sister... her husband was stationed in Germany, so I thought, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take German, and I'm going to go visit my oh, sister someday, you wonderful. know? That's so cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Of course, I never got over there when she was there. Um, I was an exchange <laughs> student in Berlin in high school. Right. Um, anyway, so that's where I started. So I thought, okay, well, I'm going to do international business. Uh, well, in Colorado, there's not a whole lot of there wasn't a whole lot of international right. business. Maybe now there might be now be probably some, yeah, but, but in the eighties, certainly not so nobody much. nobody that needed anyone who spoke German. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I also um, took Arabic in college, oh, wow. so that was another cra- crazy thing. Anyway, I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do with it, so when I got done, I took the easy way out and I called Digital, and they were like, "Oh yeah, by the way." Our um, uh, personnel assistant is going to sell her house and she's going to go live on a boat with her husband. You know, you want to come back and take this job. So I went back and I took the job, not knowing anything about human resources. Um, But it turned out that it was a good fit for me because I really was more of a people person. Um, So I spent 25 years um, in the HR world, 10 years with digital, which, like I said, I was super lucky because they were 100,000 employee company with a lot mm-hmm. of resources, sure. a lot of training, a lot of learned how to do HR the right way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then I worked for two other, um, I'm one of those that stayed at companies for a long time. I worked for Writer uh, uh, Trucks back in the day, which is now Budget, I think. Mm-hmm. I worked in their uh, national call center as their HR manager and then i worked for loomis fargo and company the big armored car company which was another really different thing for me because um they had a union and i'd never worked with unions before i never negotiated before and i had to negotiate and um also had to deal with employees that were dealing with a lot of cash and carrying weapons so completely, you know. Yeah, that's a got a lot of diversity, a lot of, of issues. Yeah. yeah, a lot of diversity. Yeah. But this whole time, this whole time, basically, um, well, I graduated college in 1984. From 1990 or 89, 1990, uh, when Brad and I got married. So Brad was a field service engineer for a company out of um, Ohio, a company called, um, well, called Denison Hydraulics. When we met and he decided to move to Colorado to be with me, um, we were like, well, heck, what are you going to do? He went to work for the distributor out here and got really bored. Um, Brad is super, super smart, has lots of ideas. Brad is, I'm not the entrepreneur in the company. Brad's the entrepreneur in the company. But um, Brad likes stable. to take a lot you're, of you're, risks. You're the stability, I'm guessing. There's some parallels here, yeah. Scott, as I'm, as I'm listening yeah, to Reese talk. Yeah. It's kind of crazy be, that That's we're awesome. so opposites and that we've done well after we've been married, you know, 33 years and ran a business the whole time. Um, we were, we were a I, good match for each other. I bet that helped. I bet um, that helped with raising the kids too. So then you guys had some flexibility being self-employed and you were able to do all things for well, all people, I was, right? I, actually, I was working the whole time up until the last 
you know, for the first 25 years I worked because we were building the business and we had to have an income. So I worked basically and took care of the kids. We, um, up until 20 years ago, we had a, a large manufacturing or large uh, building in North Aurora. And at one point, like you said, with the kids, I was like, you know, this just doesn't make sense. This is just really hard for me to try and manage working and taking care of the kids and having you up at the business and doing everything. And I said, you know what, I'm going to go look for some property where we can have the business and the house on the same property. Right. And my husband thought I was nuts. And one day I just got up and put the kids in the car and went driving around looking for large enough lots that we could do that. And we ended up in Brighton and we built our business first. And all five of us lived in a steel building for a year wow. while they were building our, while they were building our house. And so um, it worked out perfectly because um, the boys could come home from school and yep. Brad would be at the shop and they were basically, you know, at least there was an Parented. adult around. Yeah, you can talk. And then you I can, could go out can... and do what I needed to do. Yeah, yeah. and vice versa. Yeah. And the kids got the benefit yep. of both parents. That's wonderful. And you know what I like Please. that you yep. say about that, Teresa, for our listeners and for our viewers, is that it's that easy, even though it's that big. You literally yeah. got yeah. in the car and drove around. These yeah. these intersections in life really do come that that easily to people if they grab them. So it's really mm -hmm. admirable yep. to hear that you were able to do both pieces of that. And I just wanted to highlight that. So tell us more. Keep going. Yeah. So yeah. I look back and I have PTSD over thinking about <laughs> some of the things that we did, you know, raising three kids and doing everything that we did. Um, we, we, um, one of the things that, PTSD. That, that yeah. Yeah. I'm in it, by the way. Uh, I have things, three kids yeah, in my yeah, own too, business yeah, too. Yeah. And our parallels are yeah, very similar. Yeah. And my wife they is are, on the wall yeah. on the other side of me and we're doing the exact yeah. same thing. So I know what PTSD it's, feels like. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. It, um, we just so that you know, it's a little bit of background of the, our, of our employees that we started because you don't just go out there and find, uh, hydraulic technicians to yeah, work sure. for you in Colorado. And I think right. in, yeah, 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 exactly. And I think in some of my notes, I wrote about how really important was it was for us. We kind of felt like a family. We, you know, as we grew yeah. this company, um, yeah. That's important. it tells you a lot in the fact that, um, I have two employees that worked for, or went through school. I don't know if you know, like the Votech programs. Okay. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. So we had two of them who came from an Aurora Votech program um, oh. in the machine shop trades. Okay. And we hired both of them right out of high school. Well, actually, they kind of interned with us their senior years. And they still work for us today, 21 years later. Wow. And, we, and, so, and, and that is so funny, Teresa. We have the same here, except for they were both fresh out of college and they've been here for 15 years. Our two yeah. HR yep. and sales reps, you know, and it's, yeah, that's so interesting. Our parallels. People should yep. pay attention to yep. this. I mean, it, we're, we're we're novelty, but maybe not. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Get to yeah. drive yeah, your I own agree. future and your own path moving forward. So, but yeah, t please. I didn't mean to interrupt. Well, and then and then you know, obviously they've they've all really been bought into um, to the business being successful. I mean, mm -hmm. in some parts, it's really hard in the fact that um, they've never worked for anybody else. And sometimes mm -hmm. I think they don't realize how good they have it. Yeah. Since we've started to, mm -hmm. yeah, since we've started to grow, 
mm-hmm. that's probably been the most painful. Since we started to grow and we brought other uh, other employees in, and we've also been really careful about who we bring in. They may not necessarily be sure. the most technical, but they're the people we know are going to get along the best with our yeah. other employees. Culture, and culture matters. Yeah. The culture, was, yeah. culture was super important. Yeah. Um, and it's been good in the fact that you know when some of our long-term employees start to whine about something there and they come up and like, what are you talking about? Like, do you oh, understand yeah. what the real world is like? You know, stop your yeah. whining. You, guys, <laughs> exactly. you know, get to do whatever you want. But that was probably yeah. the most difficult part for us as we grew is not being able to treat everybody as employees and kind of stepping back, especially as owners, not being able, <laughs> not crazy, being so Linda. involved in their life <laughs> and those kinds of things, because it, that's really hard you know, to manage them when you're that close. And in the beginning, um, you know, I think we've had several family members, mostly from my side, because I'm from Colorado and that's where they're at, work for us. And um, some of them work out, some of them don't. I mean, my husband had to fire my brother um, because he just wasn't doing his job. And that makes it really difficult. Uh, We had to fire a nephew and, um, well, my brother, we get along really well with my brother, and those there's no hard feelings there. Uh, we didn't talk to my nephew for years. Well, you know, I'd like to highlight, if I may, and if I may, Teresa, real quick, I'd like to highlight right there about that culture and about that young entrepreneur or that solopreneur who is trying to do the right thing by their family, by long-term employees, mm-hmm. by long-term relationships. One of the things that I think I hear you highlighting that I will certainly advocate for is when it doesn't fit, fix it and don't let it linger because then you squeak by by saying, Oh, you know, I was able to salvage the relationship after I realized he wasn't working for us for four years. You know, right. The lesson I'd like to highlight in that is exactly what you're yesing. And that is to these guys who are out there trying to do this and they're, they're needing inexpensive help. They're needing honest and, and, uh, family familial help. Don't hold on to that too long. If it's not trajecting the business moving forward, would you say that's a fair statement? That's a very fair statement. And I think where we were able to control some of it goes towards those goals we talked about on setting, you know, mm. setting goals for whether you're setting goals for yourself or you're setting goals for mm-hmm. employees, you know, and luckily, you know, based on my background, we know how to set goals. And mm-hmm. I think, yeah. you know, we talk about the smart goals and when you set goals for people, especially something that they buy into and, um, they're reasonable goals, they're attainable goals, you know. Smart, you measurable, achievable. To them. Yeah, smart. Yeah, yeah smart. exactly. Specific, yeah, measurable, achievable. Yeah. yeah. Um, they, can't, um, they can't disagree with that. Either they make their goals or they don't make their goals. Here, and and uh, it makes uh, it a whole lot easier. Well, and you know, the yeah. theme of our podcast started with my book, and I always plug my book in here at some point, so forgive that. But when you talk about, <laughs> Teresa, the parallels that you and I have, we'll have to talk offline sometime because it's magical in just the first 15 minutes. Um, but specific goals I'd like to highlight for, for our listeners, and that is that they're clear and well-defined, they're measurable, quantifiable, achievable, make sure the goal can actually be accomplished, realistic, a goal must be something that you are both willing and able to work towards, and they're time-bound. Without a timeline, you are far more likely to fall off the wagon. So when you mentioned SMART goals, I just wanted to take a minute, step back, and that's really important when you're starting yeah. to own a business. Or like you said, it's something you learn as you go. If we can share mm-hmm. that up front for our entrepreneurs, yep. 
I wanted to highlight that. So thank you for letting me go back yeah. and yep. Yep. look at that. It's actually I, I, in chapter four of my and, book. <laughs> that's too funny. Yeah. Uh, and it and and you know that's a big HR that's a big HR thing. So in, in, from my point, you know, you do it as as an owner for people who are, who are owners, but as a manager, you do it with your employees. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That way, there's no question, and they want it. You know, I think that's yeah. one of the things that it. it's really difficult for my. For my exactly, they need they need to know what those boundaries are. They need to know what their goals are. They need to know, you know, maybe there's some positions that they don't, you know, but I don't know. I I, I think it's really important that they have that. Um, that's been real difficult for me to explain to as we grew. Just so you know, so as we grew, um, we went a lot. We went away from a lot of commercial work. So, for example, we do hydraulics that would do. Um, so one of my customers is a company called LK. LK makes still sinks. If you walk through Home Depot, you'll see all sorts of sinks. Sinks and like water fountains and those kinds of things. And they press this uh, metal into the shapes of these sinks. And our hydraulics would run that. So most of our early career was doing commercial work. Um, then we got into the Navy stuff. Brad, when I met Brad, he was actually, we were at the Dallas-Fort Worth Airport. And I was on my way back home to Denver, and he was on his way to Norfolk to work on a Navy ship. And oh. so Brad spent a lot of time working for the, the OEM, installing or troubleshooting equipment on Navy ships. And that's mm-hmm. ended up the direction that we ended up. Now, 95%, maybe 98% of our work is all Navy work. Wow. One of the reasons why I'm here, I'm in San Diego right now. I'm in a bus, in case you didn't know it. Um, <laughs> It's because we're working on um, the Roosevelt right now. The Roosevelt is in port in San Diego, and we have an office here in San Diego, and um, Brad's out here to make sure. Brad's here is the technical uh, liaison if there's any issues with our guys doing the work on the ship. So most of our work is ship work now. I say all that to say um, moving into the Navy world and growing on both coasts in Norfolk and in, in San Diego we hired a lot of retired military officers. Sure. And they were career officers. Yeah. So we're talking 35 years in the Navy, mm-hmm. starting out at 18. Totally different mindset than what you have um, in <laughs> today's the, in the millennials. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah exactly. Yeah. So, uh, you know, they're used to being an officer, and when they say something, then the person needs to do it. Yeah. Right. So I've had to work. Even though I wasn't, I was trying to retire. Um, I stayed on up until a couple of weeks ago before I finally said, "I'm done. I'm not going to do any more work for you." Um, integrating them into what our world is and how to deal with employees, mm-hmm. um, and how to um, integrate our our main office in Denver, which is where we do most of our manufacturing, with the guys who are out in the field, so that it's one company versus trying to deal with three different. Um, three different companies because that's how you know, they were acting. And one of the things I'm hearing, Teresa, that might be good for our listeners, and again, just in the in the phase that you're sort of cresting into wanting to pay it forward, right? You're not doing the physical mm-hmm. work anymore. You're retired. I'm out, but I'm hearing you want to be on podcasts. You're doing panel discussions. This next generation needs to hear things like you're talking about. And I'd like to drill down a little bit into that smart goal area, if we may. And talk about mm-hmm. the difference you found between goals and objectives. 
And that differentiator between an objective where the commanders are coming in and saying, here's what you need to do to reach our goal, that's an objective. And how maybe your millennials are seeing that as maybe a task, you know, or what, mm-hmm. how, how, what was your experience on those, the differentiators there? Yeah. 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 Um, I think we definitely didn't go the way towards the Navy way, the objective way. Okay. Um, even though, um, obviously there's an objective, there's, there's an end goal of how we're going to do things. Sure. Um, it's, and it's, 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 it's and, and it's interesting because you, I don't want to force fit people into a certain into a certain way of doing things because managers have different way of doing things. My guy on the East Coast, very straight, and it's funny because employees he ended up hiring are the ones that are going to do it the way he wants it. He's got he's 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 pretty rigid and he's everything is is organized there on the uh, whereas on the West Coast, which you would expect. I mean, it's East Coast versus West Coast. It's not even just <laughs> yeah. one military type versus another military type. Much right. more laid back. Both of them, both of the managers of both branches of it were both in the military for the same amount of time. They are both 35 year officers, but Amazing. handle things very differently. One is super strict, the other one is super laid back. And I'm like, yeah. okay, well, how do we kind of meet in the middle with that one? Yeah. And so yeah. we did go, we did go over smart goals. I mean, they know smart goals. No, they learned how to do it. And guess what? They they have to uh, develop um, goals for all of their employees. And um, I think that has helped a lot. You still have one that's a little bit rigid, one that's a little bit lax, but that's okay. That's how they deal with their employees, and it works. And it works for yeah. them. And we're kind of in the middle. My biggest teams. issue was, yeah, my biggest issue was them trying to manage my employees. My employees. I still call them my mm. employees in Denver, <laughs> and saying, okay, this is the way I want it to work. Well, no, that's not the way that it works for them. You know. Yeah, we've been doing this for a long time. And it's difficult when you've been doing things for a long time. Well, you know, as an entrepreneur, just because you're a good entrepreneur doesn't necessarily mean that you're a good leader or that you're a good manager. It's just like in the, you know, in the real world, we tend to take employees who are good individual contributors and make them managers because we think they're going to be good managers. And yeah. we don't give them the training and they're really not good managers. And it may not necessarily be your best true. individual contributor who's the best manager. And you end up with those, uh, what do they call them, um, leaders who don't have the title, but they're seen as the leaders. And those are the mm-hmm. people that you need to look at. So. Robin Sharma wrote that book, The Leader with No Title. Yeah. Yeah, it's exactly. Yeah, no, what it's very they powerful. Are. What you're talking yeah. about is really, it's a distinction that's really um, nice to hear another entrepreneur talk about or another business owner, really, because you've left solopreneur, yeah. you left entrepreneur, you've got a business. And, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. I know what you were talking about just in sharing with you a little bit about how I started with a $15,000 contract and run a $12 million organization. And I had my two first employees, and now they've been with me for 15 years, and I've got 100 employees now. So I totally know what you're talking about. And what's really nice, and the reason I share that for our listeners, is that the parallel in industry is, the parallel in business ownership is the same, regardless of industry. We sell consulting services. We implement in government agencies, school districts. And you were doing Mm -hmm. hydraulics and moved it over to government agencies. And you hired old commanders, and I hired old school admin administration staff. And the mix Mm -hmm. is just amazing to listen to today really important for our listeners who are cresting into business to have that sort of collective awareness for their next step. Yeah. 
you know, so I just want to really highlight highlights your point. No, I'm glad you did that, Scott, because it does it. It's it kind of it goes along with the line, right, of an uncom- unconventional guide to success because mm-hmm. it's the path. Um, and while you and Therese took very different paths, there's so many parallels in that in order for you to both get to those outcomes, you still followed goals um, and um, good habits and um, relationships and and the fact that you both are you know working with your spouses yeah. um, and that you've been able to Partners. keep that relationship partnership for all these years as well um, speaks volumes as well but it what it really does is it highlights that there are very specific steps that anybody needs to take in life and to achieve those, achieve those outcomes. And I think that you both have, you know, you've just got a really, it's a very interesting parallel between the two. Very interesting. And Linda knows us both. And Teresa, the other thing I would say is that we were very specific in our desire in what our outcomes were to be. I think people need to have that driving force behind them. I'd love you. I'd love um, to go back to that and say, look, you know, I did this because I wanted to be there for my kids and I wanted to provide for my kids. There was a real motivator there. And I didn't have much of a safety net. It was kill or be killed out here in this world. I don't have mm-hmm. a silver spoon. I don't have a bunch of relatives and parents that are going to pay my way. And I had a desire for more than a one-bedroom apartment with five people in it. It's just <laughs> it's just who I am. Mm-hmm. So yeah. talk a little bit about some of your driving forces. Let's go back into that a little bit and say what motivated you to do all this, if yeah. you don't mind. That's, that's kind of funny. You, you sound a whole lot more like my husband. Um than me. So yeah, mine was the basics, you know, I needed a place to live and food and, you know, take care of my kids, which is part of the reason why I worked outside of the business for such a long time. I mean, we knew that if I was working, then um, we had the money that that we needed. I always worked in a good job. Um, I did have family to back up on. I mean, we Brad and I were, we had, uh, my oldest was a couple months old and we moved in with my parents for um, almost a year while we had a house being built, our very first house in Aurora. So, I mean, they they were great. We scrimped and saved at that point. I mean, people ask us how we started our business and literally we started it on our credit cards. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, that's what, that's what yeah. we had. Brad was that actually, when we started, Brad was actually still working for uh, the distributor for the equipment that we worked on. And we started the other business at the same time. So he was working two jobs. I was trying to work two jobs. You know, he was traveling, doing a lot of work because in the beginning he was doing a lot of field service work. So that was really tough. Um, Brad came from a more modest background than what I did. Um, you know, I came from a family of six kids and we all went to college and, you know, my mom worked my entire life. My mom, you know, started working when in 1947 as a, as a realtor in Denver. Wonderful. So I grew up in a different, yeah, I grew up in a different <laughs> I mean, environment where my, mom, my, my, my our, mom always worked and yeah. Our parent, I have a real uh, estate license and I owned a real estate firm here in Northern Virginia with eight other people. Caitlin and I did real estate where our parallels, Teresa, are oh, incredibly crazy. I didn't, the realize, ones, I did not yeah. realize you were in Virginia because our yeah, office I'm just, is in yeah. Norfolk. Yeah, yeah, about I'm about yeah. five hours north of there, DC, just outside of DC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. cool, yeah. very cool. Well, you know what's also fascinating about that a little bit, Teresa, is that so when you said you're more like Brad, um, it's so not knowing both of you uh, except for 
through osmosis, through our son's relationships, but knowing enough to, I can see that because Scott, knowing Brad, Brad is the, the idea, big, go, 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 like, yeah, visionary. And Teresa is the, is the string that holds the kite. And, um, and so (laughs) I just find it really funny too, that, that, um, Teresa had referenced, um, Winnie the Pooh and, and And Caitlin did as well, because very much so that, that kite and string, I mean, you know, just to reference what you talk about in the book a little bit there, but, um, but it's, it, again, very interesting, the parallels, because you have to have both sides, right? Because if both Teresa and Brad were, were these big visionary ideas, you would have probably not accomplished what you were able to accomplish. No. One it, has to be it, the it tight so one. Has to be the it, it takes so much energy. It takes so much energy. I don't know how, you know, you talk about going yeah. out and having to make your own money and make your own sales and go out and reach, you know, reach people. I couldn't do that. I don't have that personality just to call up and do those. Probably more now as I get older, because I don't have all those, fears of what people are going to think about me um but brad was go go yes. go go <laughs> right. go like, it, like he takes a, he he's yeah he's high energy and when you're with him you're like holy crap um and he comes across <laughs> as saying, people yeah people who know him will say oh he's just passionate whereas other people may this say holy crap who is that guy he's 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 so loud and so you know, out there. But I'm being really, punked right now, kid. Linda. You're, yeah. I'm, yeah being punked. I'm being punked right now. I mean, yeah. Teresa, we're yeah. running a yeah. parallel <laughs> lives here. And, you know, just yeah. to ground yeah. that, not make this a, not to make this at all about what you're saying and how it relates to what I'm saying. But one of the things I have found as a coach of the next generation, right? And as someone who wants to pay it forward and get in front of the next generation, you've hit the nail on the head about three times in the last three minutes when you said, it's mm-hmm. a lot of work. And I had two jobs and I had to have the safety net. And there's so much about that. When people say to me, how did you get here and how are you so successful? Like I'm saying to you, Teresa, how did you get here? How are you so successful? One of the things that I don't think people trip to is the volume of work and or Mm -hmm. difference between different things. I had real estate. I had my consulting services firm. I had investments. I owned my properties. You know, you had your business, you had real estate, you had other ways of making money and you had a full-time job until that made sense to shift, right? People don't realize that they're doing four things at once, 24 seven. And you have to bring that and expect that. It's not just eight to five, like a corporate job. Yeah. No. Yeah. And you're not taking vacations. And <clears throat> or if you take vacations, you're working while you're on the vacation. Hundred percent. And and you know what? There's times when you don't get to take a paycheck. And yep. um, you know, I think those are some of those things that you know the employees when they look at us and say, "Oh, look what they have," or you know, and you know, sometimes I felt really guilty about it. They're they're struggling to buy a car, and here I am with a new car, and then I sit back and think, you know what? I worked my uh, ass off for something years. Yes. You know? I, yeah. I deserve it. And that's a difficult thing for me is well, to say you that I deserve something because I'm well, not that person. You worked for no. it and you're leading by example or is a different way to reframe that too. You know, yeah, you worked for it yep. and you're, you, you do deserve it. And people mm-hmm. do lean on family. I meant, I meant to clarify earlier where I felt kill or be killed and I didn't have family to back up on. I was able to borrow a check from my father at one point to make payroll for a few weeks to your point. So it does take a village. And I just wanted to go back while I had that thought and, yep. and share with you yep. so that our viewers yep. realize that the, the services that are needed are all around you anyway. 
But it goes back to that whole, it takes, it takes a village, but also um, the path to success is not, not done alone. Um, yeah. So, you know, you, you've had to, um, you know, you've got these people that surround you, you've got the relationships, you've got family, all of that plays a role in that, that it's not you by yourself um, forging this path right. all alone with no one doing anything. I, I think that that is the strong message in all of that, because sometimes we like to believe that we're on an island and no one's helped, you know, we're just doing it all ourselves. But the reality is, if you look around, um, chances are pretty good. You've got someone who's anchoring you. which is how you can earn yeah. what you bought Teresa. yeah don't yeah. have guilt yeah. you can't yeah. have guilt in that you can't no yeah I'm, for sure now i i will tell you you know <clears throat> when we made the decision to to sell the business you know may, you know you, you may not be at that point but i mean it's one of the things that you look at is you don't have anyone to we you know we thought about do we have anyone to pass it down to you know do one of the boys want to yeah. do it and I, and I will say kind of funny because our oldest that does now work at the company, but yeah. um, they all worked for the company off and on. And I think they saw it and said, holy crap, that's a lot of work. I don't want to do that. You <laughs> well, know, that's why, the thing I was saying earlier. Earth, yeah. Why on earth would I want to take that over one that's yeah. so much work when I don't, when I don't totally. have to do that, especially yeah. the younger generation. But it's kind of funny because now I look at all my boys and they were all entrepreneurial hilarious i mean yeah. look at you yeah. look at what logan and joel tried to do you know you mm -hmm. look yes. at them, you're like they're yeah. struggling they're struggling they're struggling but you know what they're yeah. they're learning it and maybe it won't work yeah. and maybe it will work yep. i don't know it's not for me yeah. to say it will or it won't um yeah um my middle son is a chef and he ended up owning a restaurant for a while and my oldest son even though he works for us now because we needed him he ran a, funny, he's got his degree in biochemistry from CU, and he started a carpet wow. cleaning business of all things. So, Amazing. you know, they all end up being entrepreneurs in their, in their yeah. own way, but they they did not want the business. And so we had to make a decision at some point. You know, I'm 61 years old, and I didn't want to work forever. As a matter of fact, if it were up to me, I would have retired at 55 like my father did. Um, yeah. No, I'm yeah. going to be 55 yeah. next year. I've and, almost sold the company and, and, twice. I'm, I, I'm on board. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we had to make the decision at some point, you know, what are we going to do? Yeah. How, yeah. What are we, how are we going to end this business? Are we just going to stop working? And the biggest thought was all my employees, because I think I felt like I owed it to my employees. They stayed with us all this time. They helped grow the company. I didn't just grow the company, Brad didn't just right. grow the company. It was all our right. employees yeah. that, that were out there with us for all this time to grow the company. So when we, when we went to look for, well, number one, we were lucky. We never imagined somebody would want to buy my company. But when we found someone to buy the company, the, the important thing was is that it was someone who understood um, where we are and that we wanted to keep the company together and that our employees were very important to us. Yeah. And when we sold yeah. the business, we shared what we made with our employees. We, we gave money to our, our employees based on how long they wow. had been with us. So well, that's and that's and that's wonderful. And you recognize it as as they earned it more than you gave it to them too, which is really no, yeah, exactly. about your no, culture. No, no, they earned yeah. it. Yeah. 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 No. And that's I lovely. That's I mean wonderful. that's the that's really your message is so important to the next gen. I mean, it's so nice to hear yeah. all of that. What is the one thing, if I may just leave the script for a second, Linda? What is the yeah. one thing, just the one thing if they said is needed for a business owner. I know we've talked about a lot of different things and maybe it's in what we've already talked about, but what is the one thing that just you would say to the next gen if they're going to 
trying to open up their own business, they need to be cognizant of? Listen to other people, maybe get, get, um, Talk to other people who, whether they're in that business or like like you or like me or you know Linda, talk to them about you know what did they go through, what did okay. they learn, what what mistakes did they make? You know, one of the questions you guys asked is if I had a mentor. I had a mentor in the HR world probably as I was working, but not yeah. as far as starting a business. I didn't have anybody telling me how to do things. Everything I did, yeah. I learned on my own. Mm. And you know, mm. you talk about wanting to give back a lot of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> teaching people about about those kinds of things yeah whether so it's admirable. accounting you know tax yeah. or you know how yeah. to deal with employees or you know any of those things and to realize that you don't know everything you know right yeah it and they, I just, really you know point. You did it all. And it's interesting you say that about your mentor and how I can relate to sort of it's lonely at the top, if you will, of the food chain of what you're building. Mm-hmm. And it really yeah. is um really is a gift that we get to share your story and the stories of entrepreneurs here. It really, yeah. really impressive. And that's a really good lesson for people to recognize. The work is hard and you might be charting your own path, but listen to other people. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yep. No, I think it's really good. And I like that too. You don't know everything because sometimes I think that's part of the problem is, um, especially, you know, when you're young, you're, you're kind of stubborn and you think you've got it all figured out. And, um, and so it's really taking that, that time to, doesn't mean that the other person knows everything, but what can you take and learn from all of those different, um, stories and paths that others have taken? Um, and then how can you incorporate those mm-hmm. lessons into what you're trying to do? And, um, and that all speaks to relationships, part partnerships, mentors, coaching, it all comes together. Yeah, Um, yeah, it all just kind of wraps nicely around um, what the message is around all of this is that um, you've got there's got to be some structure to what it is that you're doing if you really want to achieve, you know, those, uh, those objectives that you've set out. Yeah. So yeah, no, that's really good. It's it's funny when you ask the question about relationships and partnerships. And I think, you know, relationships are far easier for me than a partnership is. And, uh, I mean, I have one partnership, obviously, with my husband. We own the business together, but it's way different sure. because yeah. we're married. And we don't have yeah. much of a choice. We've learned how to work it out as a, as a, as a married couple as well as a business partner. And I think yeah. working out as a married couple helps us on the other side. But I think in other endeavors that we have tried to work partnerships, they're made, what, much more difficult because people want different things out of it. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah. Um, they don't always align and you really don't have that. Um, what do you want to say? I, I think that's why when companies sell or when you you build a company, you want one of them to own 51%, one to own 49%, because there has to be at some point somebody who's got to give and someone who's going to make that decision. And in partnership, that's yeah. really difficult. That is. I, I think agree. I think our boys have seen that in a, in a couple of the iterations of what they've done with business. Um that maybe the people that they feel were they felt were partners in their business didn't really exactly have the same goals that they did, mm-hmm. and um, at some point there has to be someone who makes that that decision. And partnerships are difficult. Everybody wants something different out of that that partnership, and it, I, I would say it hasn't really worked out great for us um, in the long term. Yeah, we had um, the we had a similar struggle where I had a guy um, very interested in buying the business. And like you, we were concerned about employees and making sure that that all went really well. And we had our first sort of face-to-face, the numbers made sense, let's have our meeting and figure out what this looks like for next steps. 
And the first thing I said to him is, what does culture look like for you? You've put on paper, you know, you're interested in keeping the employees in the continuity of service. Mm -hmm. And his response was a very proud, well, we offer benefits, health insurance benefits Mm. to our employees. (laughs) And that was sort of my reaction. And it went downhill from there because I thought in good conscience, your idea of culture is nowhere near what I've trained and learned myself in building the business for the last 15 years. Yeah. That does not equal the word culture anywhere around benefits. That's true. It's not even no, a benefit. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's funny. Early in, before we contacted some uh, someone to help us sell the business, who, by the way, happens to be back in New Jersey. If you ever need anybody, he's a great okay, guy. Okay, good to know. Yeah. Uh, we uh, had talked to some other people who were in our industry, and this guy flew out and um, owns a well-respected company um, in in the business, and. Brad and I went out to dinner with them and uh, we were all excited and the guy treated our waiter like crap, you know, just really arrogant and like upset Mm. about, you know, whether or not he had come to pour his wine again or something. And I looked at Brad and I said, yeah, this is not what I want. We got up and we left and they were shocked. They were shocked. The guy was shocked. How dare you, you know, I'm here to, talk to you small company and I'm big company and you know whatever yeah. and I'm like yeah no not what I want yeah I'd rather yeah. continue doing what I'm doing than than sell it to somebody who would treat another person like that so right yeah yeah no really yeah, really so good message great. yeah Yeah, absolutely. Well, Therese, we have enjoyed having you on the show so much. Um, We like to end the show with three questions. And so um, what is a common myth about your job or field of expertise? (laughs) Common myth. (laughs) That women don't know technical things. Oh, good one. I like that. Yeah, especially where I'm at. I'm not a big, like, woman's liver kind of person but yeah you know i've been doing this for for 30 years and it's really difficult when you have someone call up on the telephone and i happen to get it and they ask you know i need to talk to wow i have a question about so-and-so and i'll be like okay let, you know let me help you and like and no can yeah. i talk to one of your mechanics or can i talk to, and it's like no i can i can answer the question it's funny so just real quick one of the jobs that we did a couple years ago was in japan Absolutely awesome. I got to fly to Japan. It turned out that I was the the project manager for the job working on a ship over there. Well, when you're over there, uh, other than your own employees, the the work gets done by if you need any kind of like welding or other technical things that, that someone else needs to do, they're all Japanese. Well, they're all Japanese men. Right. And um, they don't take orders from women and I would go down and say hey this is what I need done and I would talk to their lead guy next thing you know the guy's walking up onto the ship and talking to one of my men saying hey you know having this conversation with them and my guy would look at him and say well she's in charge and the guy would just like drop his head he, oh, wow. he'd go next day I'd do the same thing they kept probably about the third day they learned that hey I'm in charge it's not the guys that are in charge right and um I think after that, we, 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 we fell into a good pattern, but they weren't going to listen to what a woman had to say. And I will tell you, even though we complain a lot about in the United States about the way, um, the work world is for women, we are far ahead. And especially even in the, the world of the Navy, when I go on board a ship, I get treated no differently 
um, as a woman than what what my guys do. So I have to say that that's that's moved forward a lot. But um, yeah, yeah, women have technical aptitude. Oh, here's another one. As an HR person, you know, you asked about mentors. Women are really bad about mentoring other women. I completely. We are our worst. We are our worst enemy. We don't do a very good job. I think that we we are jealous or intimidated mm-hmm. or don't want to see someone else getting ahead. I think we are far worse as a woman. Um, both with, the, with each both other, a female with each yeah, other. Yeah, I work okay. in a female dominated, female dominated job in HR Yeah. to yeah. a male dominated job. And truthfully, I have done much, much better in a male dominated right? world because yeah. the men are much easier to work with and women aren't Aren't you know, good mentors, and if you're a business, out, you need to be a good mentor to to women. Well, the irony of what you're saying is where we de- we don't intersect. I've only had exceptionally well women mentors in environments that are strictly led by women or dominated yeah. by women, yep. I should say. So it's ir- ironic but that you're a guy, but you're well, a guy. Well, that's the irony, I right? Mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, so a woman's true. gonna, yeah. you know, we're Touché. not intimidated, I guess, by that's you true. guys. I don't know what it is, but if you were a woman, <laughs> it'd be interesting to see how those women would deal with you. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. totally agree. It is. It's a bizarre thing. Um, I shouldn't say that because I think it's true in in any. Thing. I have employees who are very good technically, and they do not want to pass on that information onto younger employees because they're intimidated that if they yeah. let go of that information and that knowledge, that somehow it makes them lesser rather than trying to realizing that, hey, if you train somebody else, it, it makes you better. But yeah, yeah. whatever. No, that's you know. a good point. Well, Therese, my last question for you is what is the most important lesson you've learned? Wow. What's the most important? Um, to be humble, I think. Oh, that's nice. Um, yeah. Yeah. Treat your waiter with respect. Uh, <laughs> right. Treat your waiter with respect. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm no, you true. know, just because I'm no better than than anybody I, I else, I guess. Whether I like that. because, you know, I'm educated or because I have money or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. You know, doesn't yeah. make me any any better mm. else, and I need to be humble. You know, we're all going to die. This we're all going to die. That's right. We're all, you know, right? That, yeah, well, we're all one of the in same. The end, yep. In the end, we all. Yep. In the so, end, we all die. Yeah, you're absolutely. The older right. I get, the more I. The older I get, the more I realize what it's like, and. Yeah, mortality is a shitty thing, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's it's really kind of an insane thing, you know. So true. You know, and I'm I'm working on my husband retiring, or at least semi-retiring, and it's really hard. It was hard on me at first to let go. You know, this was my business, but the more I let go, the easier it was. Yeah, my husband because he's so passionate about it. But I will tell you. I laugh about being in this bus, but that's one of the things that we decided. Um, he wanted me to travel with him more and I didn't want to do it without my dog. Yeah. And um, <laughs> so the compromise was he went out and bought this bus. So we have this bus, like an entertainer bus, you know, the nice. big fancy yeah, yeah, celebrity, right. yeah, yeah, celebrity yeah. bus. Yeah. So that's what we're living in, in San it. Diego right now, out of the, out of the campground with my three dogs. So that's I can awesome. be with that's my cool. dog. And as he's doing that, he's relaxing more and realizing he can step away from work. He's, you know, he could work from this computer that I'm at right now. That's um, wonderful. So, you know, that's a lesson to us all, right? Like work hard, is. raise yeah. your families, find your success, be humble, 
Mm-hmm. Sell your business yeah. and let's all go get on a bus and enjoy what this world has to offer until we're yeah. taken from it. Right. Exactly. I mean, what a, Teresa, exactly. your themes exactly. are yeah, incredible no. and our viewers are going to love it. Our listeners are going to embrace it. So and I well. couldn't have been more happy yeah. to have you here today. Thank you. No. Yeah. Thank you awesome. so much, thank Teresa, for being here. It was great talking yeah. to you. Just yeah. kind of like yeah. having a conversation. This is kind of fun. Yeah, that's all it <laughs> is. That's, all it that's is. right. That's yeah. all it is. Exactly. Well, we're so glad you were able to join us today. And Scott, it's always good to see you. Good to see you too, Linda. Always. our time together. Yeah, um, well, hopefully our listeners enjoyed this one as much as we did, and uh, we'll uh, we'll see you next time. An Unconventional Guide to Success is an inspirational, motivated series hosted by Scott Montgomery and Linda Misagatis, recorded on Riverside.fm. Music, editing, and production by Logan Misagatis. Check out Scott Montgomery's new book, How Did You Get Here?, and all the helpful related materials at www.howdidyougethere.com. Thank you for joining us on our journey. If you would like to reach out to us, our contact information is in the show notes.